What's up, everyone? Welcome to Adherent Apologetics, the Adherent Apologetics show, where we talk to all kinds of exciting people about Christianity and God and religion and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, today, I'm joined by Samuel Hubner Casado. Hopefully, I pronounced that name right. And we're going to be talking about... <laughs> I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, we're primarily, we're going to be talking about turning your apologetics into evangelism. This is really going to be a conversation we're going to kind of go all over the map a little bit. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, how's it going, Sam? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I think you're doing uh, a fantastic job with your channel and, uh, you know, with your apologetics work in general on social media. And uh, I wish more Christians would, uh, you know, get on social media and do this kind of work. So I'm really happy to, to be part of this right now. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And you're doing you're doing some really cool stuff, too, which is one of the reasons I was really looking to, I was excited to talk to you is you're a man with many different hats. You do a lot of different uh Kind of, kind of different things. So, can you talk a little yeah. bit about like who you are, what you do, you know, things like that? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, well, I'm Sam. I'm 35 years old. I live in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and uh, I'm probably best known for the video game journalism that I do over here. I'm I write for a uh, a magazine, a physical magazine called Power Unlimited, which is one of the longest running video game magazines in the world right now. Um, and uh, you know, I'm part of the I'm part of the team there. So I've been doing that for years. Uh, I have a really outspoken opinion on nerd culture and multimedia and entertainment. Uh, and I, you know, I'm very vocal about that kind of stuff. And so yeah, a lot of people know me uh, for uh, for that. Uh, I also work as a team leader for a pretty big Canadian YouTube channel. Um, and on the side, I also sometimes make music. You know, I write lyrics and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I like to do all kinds of stuff. But um, but yeah, I think the uh, the video game writing is what people know me, know me for the best. Yeah. Mm. yeah, you get that verified on Twitter, so you must be like someone kind of famous, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually don't still don't really know how I got verified. I think it was because I've been uh, I was the uh, the editor in chief for a pretty popular Dutch blog for like two years, mm -hmm. uh, and it was around that time that I got verified. So I think I think it was my status as an editor in chief of that big blog that got me there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sometimes when I'm just, uh, I'm having conversations with people on Twitter, they're like, "Wait a minute, why do you even have that blue tick anyway?" And I'm <laughs> like, "Like, are you are you a celebrity or something?" I'm like, "No, no, not at all. I don't even know why. I'm just, but I'm happy to have one, I guess. You know." <laughs> it makes you seem more official, you know. You get that little blue check. It's like, oh, this must be this must be so. Yeah, at first I was happy that I had it because it looked really cool and it looked really official, but. Uh, what I like about it now is that it makes my replies to someone automatically jump to the top of the conversation oh, chain. Yeah. So mm. um, a lot of people, when they click on a conversation, my uh, reply is one of the first they see because of the verified status. Uh, so that's actually pretty cool. That kind of does give me a certain kind of, um, uh, how do you say that? Um, uh, I'm going to like credit, like a, like a credit almost, no, cre but uh, more like, um, Respect or uh, it's something that I have to treat with responsibility. You know, it, it gives mm. me a certain kind of uh, yeah. But it, oh yeah, I it, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, good yeah. stuff. It makes me want to get that blue check so I can get that like top of the thing. <laughs> um, I, hope you, I hope you get it one day. I still don't know what the exact uh, requirements are, but yeah, if you can get it, go for it, man. Yeah, uh, how's it going, Ellie? So Elohim. Um, so let's just start with this. Uh, tell, just tell us about your testimony, how you came to the Lord. Um, yeah, just start with your testimony. Okay. Uh, it's a pretty long story, but 
Hey, we got I'm, time. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to kind of condense it. So mm -hmm. I was raised in a household that was very divided. My mom was a very devout evangelical Christian. She still is. Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad has always been an atheist, a very stern atheist. So as a child, I was, you know, my mom told me about the Bible and the gospel. And she read me like Old Testament stories before going to bed, you know, stuff like that, uh, mm -hmm. which I loved. Um, but then my dad, on the other hand, you know, even though he went to church with my mom sometimes, he would tell me, you know, I don't believe in all that kind of crap. And... You know, if you want to believe in it, go ahead. Just know that I don't and that there are a lot of other religions in the world. And, you know, I want you to think about that. So as I, you know, as I went through, uh, you know, uh, school and high school and all, all that kind of stuff, I, I at least considered myself a believer. I believed in God. Uh, I wasn't sure yet if I wanted to believe in, in Christ or whatever, but at least I wasn't an agnostic. I didn't consider myself an atheist. I did consider myself, uh, you know, someone who believed in God. Then I think I was around 14 or 15. Uh, I started getting into other kind of religions. I started looking into Islam. I started looking into you know, Buddhism and stuff like that. I even, I even looked into Satanism at the time because I started getting into heavy metal and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But luckily enough, around like 15, I eventually did make the choice. Okay, no, I actually want to go for Christ. Because uh, I don't think Christianity is the same as, as, as Islam and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different in the sense that it's based on grace. You know, it's mm -hmm. not based on, you know, if I, if I die and I meet my creator, he's not going to be like, okay, these are all the good things you've done and these are all the bad things you've done and I'm going to you know, weigh them against each other. Mm -hmm. No, Christianity was the only one that said God loves you and therefore if you want it, here's this gift that he's, he's, he's willing to give you. Um, and that was the only way that really made sense. So I became a Christian around that time when I was 16, I even got baptized, but then my life became pretty difficult. Uh, my parents, uh, divorced. I couldn't live with my mom cause we were fighting all the time. Uh, I lived with my dad for a while. He wanted me out of the house when I was 18 cause we didn't really get along. So I became 18. I turned 18. I went to university to study at the same time. I took a job to be able to rent a room in Amsterdam and, I. All of a sudden, I also was really I, I was presented with this massive amount of freedom. Okay, because suddenly uh, I could just go out and go clubbing and stuff like that. I could do with my money whatever I wanted, uh, and that just led me in some in, in a weird kind of spiral where I I started focusing just on you know on my career and on my studies and on on pleasure on hedonism, and even though I considered myself a Christian and I even talked to others about Christ. My lifestyle did not reflect that at all. I don't. Th I don't think you could even call me a lukewarm Christian. I was just someone who did whatever whatever he wanted, and uh, you know, every once in a while, I would say a prayer. Uh, so pretty much my the entirety of my twenties was that just someone who did whatever he wanted. Uh, and at one point, I, I remember this very vividly. At one point, I was at a friend's after party. On a, on a Sunday morning at like seven, seven o'clock in the morning. And the conversation shifted to like things like God. And I tried to talk uh, to someone about Jesus as I was tripping on LSD mm. with all these people at an after party. And that's when I, when I got home, I remember like, Sam, what are you doing, man? Like, you say that you're a Christian, but you were living a lifestyle that could be seen as, you know, even more exuberant and extravagant and, and hedonistic than a lot of people who, you know, who don't even care about all that kind of stuff. So are you really a Christian? And I struggled with that kind of 
you know, having one foot in the kingdom and having one foot uh, in the world kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle. I struggled with that for a few years. And I think it was only last year that I really was like, no, okay, I need to turn this boat around. I just, I can't keep living like this. Uh, I, I noticed that because every, I mean, things weren't going bad, you know, I, it's not like my career was falling apart or anything. No, but I, I, I did start to notice that my interpersonal relationship were starting to suffer because I was treating women completely in, in, a, in a wrong way. I was, tra- I was treating them as, you know, lust objects instead of mm-hmm. human beings. Uh, I wasn't really looking for a soulmate. I was just looking for, you know, women that could give me pleasure, stuff like that. I was noticing that all the pain in my life that I was experiencing was because I was doing the things that my flesh wanted to do. I wasn't following the word of God. So that's, and, you know, and combined with everything I was seeing in the world that I now see as part of kind of like eschatological stuff, you know, end time stuff. I I, I knew like, not only should I be turning my boat around, I need to do it quickly because I do believe that we're living in a very special age. Um, You know, I think we're living in a time with with a timer, so to speak. So I I just turned, I just turned it around. And, uh, you know, even though I'm still struggling with some stuff, uh, cause you know, some people, some, I'm, I'm still, I still get invited to stuff that I'm now, I, I now have to explain to, to people. No, no, I, I'm not going to do psychedelic drugs with you anymore. You know, if, if, if we're going to go for a drink, I'm not going to go as overboard with you as I used to, you know, I have to explain this to people now. Uh, and that, sometimes that's hard, but yeah, I've, I, I think that when, when did I become a Christian as in when did kind of like, when did I truly ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up? and to make me completely new and to truly give my life to Jesus entirely. I think that was only last year. So I was 34. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah, that. Yeah. It's a powerful testimony. It's I mean, obviously I'm a little bit younger than you, but I can relate to yeah. your, uh, your testimony in so many, in so many different ways um, through high school, kind of like the one foot in the world, one foot in God with God. Um, mm. Kind of thing. I can relate to that. I, I understand a lot of what you're talking about and I'm, I'm curious. So you're, you're, a Christian in Amsterdam. Um, mm-hmm. So, what what's the uh, in terms of being an evangelical Christian? What what's the yeah. environment like in, in first off Amsterdam, but also if you have knowledge, kind of like in the rest of like Western Europe in terms of being an evangelical Christian? Well, I'm not going to say that it's super tough, uh, super hard. I mean, it's not like I'm being uh, persecuted or anything. But yeah. Uh, the Netherlands and especially Amsterdam, it is a very, very, very progressive um, community. You know, it's an extremely progressive community. Uh, so even though they say they're very tolerant, the moment I try to share my Christian views and my Christian, um, you know, beliefs, uh, I, I quickly get labeled as uh, a bigot or, you know, as an old-fashioned, uh, you know, kind of monster, you know. So that's something I often have to kind of, cut through before I can truly talk to people, before I can show them that, you know, walking in Christ is actually walking in love and it's the most inclusive you can get. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard sometimes because Amsterdam is, it's a beautiful city. And I, I love it to death. I, Amsterdam has a special place in my heart, uh, you know, culturally, historically, uh, ar- architecture wise. Um, but it's also a party, you know, uh, it, it's also a party city. It's a, it's a city that's very much focused on partying and drugs and drinking and, and sex. Uh, in, in fact, I was having a conversation with this uh, with a friend of mine earlier today about how he uh, cycled past a zone that was uh, designated as a zone where homosexuals are allowed to have sex in the open. 
because mm-hmm. uh, you know it was such a big problem in the city that the, that the city eventually said, okay, we're just going to designate this zone right here as a zone where people can do that kind of stuff. So at least it won't happen everywhere. But it, it was still a zone pretty close by, like uh, you know, um, a place where, where where children play and stuff like that. So um, it, it is a city that is so open-minded that um, it's very easy to get lost into all kinds of well debauchery. You know, let's just call it what it is. So I think that's I think that from for me personally has been one of the biggest problems uh, when it comes to being an evangelical Christian. Luckily, however, Amsterdam is also a very international city. It's a very very international community. So I have found many Christians from all over the world who are here. A lot of expats as well who are here in Amsterdam. It's not very hard to find uh, a church, a good church here in Amsterdam. Um, so you know it has its upsides and its downsides. As for the rest of Europe. I don't know. I, I, I can't really tell. Uh, I don't go outside of the Netherlands that often. And when I do, I, you know, I go to the other side of the world. I go to Japan or America and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, again, ups and downs. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. I think I think there's a couple of things that are really interesting. One one to me is the idea that, uh, and I think it's kind of true, that America is about probably 20 or 30 years behind uh, Western Europe in terms of its, like, cultural um, uh, evolution in a sense where we're kind mm-hmm. of, like, where Europe was probably 20 years ago in terms of our views towards religion and things like that. And I think, uh-huh. I think it's very true that we see very similar paths. Um, and lost my thought there for a second. Uh, I'm curious about like, what got you interested into like apologetics? Like uh, for, for example, um, I've do the, the apologetics March Madness thing and, and, mo- and predominantly most of the apologists that I've, I found are either from, America or some from the UK, not a lot from that I've seen in like Western Europe and like France, Belgium, the Netherlands, I don't know yeah. if it's a language barrier. So kind of like a two-part question. Um, what got you interested in apologetics? Um, and then what, what, what kind of apologetics environment is there in like your area? There's not a big apologetic area, uh, apologetic scene in my area, not at all. Um, that's why I'm very happy to have the internet. Uh, I remember, actually, I started getting into apologetics. I didn't even know that was a word. But um, mm. when I was 16, I remember getting baptized and being super on fire for the Lord. And, I, you know, I was, I was preaching the gospel to many, many people of my age uh, in that time. In those two years, you know, six, uh, between 16 and 18, in those two years, I was really on fire for the Lord. And uh, I, I tried to talk to a lot of people about Jesus and what I noticed was that, uh, especially because I did it at like high school and uh, I was at a pretty high level here in high school. So a lot of people would try to, they would come at the gospel from almost like an am- academic point of view, you know, and they would ask certain questions, certain logical questions. Uh, and I immediately learned that if I want to do this successfully, if I want to preach the gospel successfully, and especially in this kind of environment, uh, you know, and I was I was about to go to university. Then I also need to be able to engage them on that level, on that you know, mm. a kind of logical bat- battlefield. I need to know not only what I believe in here, but I need to be able to explain it. You know, I need to understand it in here. I need to explain it, uh, uh, you know, in in that kind of way. So I just started thinking about the gospel um, in in very logical terms, and that's when I started using the internet, and I found a lot of. Uh, you know, back in the day, uh, I found a lot of stuff that really helped me from answers, answers in Genesis to, you know, whatever, a lot of stuff. Uh, but I, I really got into apologetics, like I said, last year when I kind of came back to Christ. And that's when I 
found out about people like David Wood and of course Ravi Zacharias and um, uh, I, I just dove into that world completely and it, it just blew me away how much of a um, how much of a, a community ha had developed mm -hmm. you know since uh, since my teenage years and how many people are, are doing this um, and don't get me wrong I don't think that apologetics is like the answer to the kind of the problem of sharing the gospel because uh, I, I think it was um, Todd Friel from um, Wretched Ministries who once said it best. He, he said something along the lines of apologetics can be really helpful and it's a very powerful tool, but it's not, it, 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 it can never lead someone to Christ. The only thing mm -hmm. that can lead someone to Christ is the gospel, mm -hmm. right? So that was also, that's also something I always try to keep in the back of my head. Like um, I can learn as much as I want about apologetics, it's it, it's never going to it's never going to be the answer. It's just it just needs to be it just needs to be a tool that I have in my arsenal mm -hmm. that I can kind of take out and use in case I meet someone who uh, doesn't want to engage with the gospel on an emotional level. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest here, if you want someone to uh, start learning about Jesus Christ and about the message of the gospel. They need to be open for it emotionally because the, the gospel is the good news, and it's 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 an it's it's a it's a message of love, you know. And love is a very emotional message. You have to reach someone in their hearts. But what you see, especially you know, academic fields, is that a lot of people do not allow themselves to be opened up for an emotional message until you've kind of cleared these logical obstacles that they have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as a game journalist, I, I'm a big fan of competitive fighting games like Street Fighter and Super Smash Brothers and stuff like that. And uh, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this analogy. Uh, good, it, 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 in fighting games, there, there, there's this character archetype called a zoner. A zoner is a, is a character that tries to keep the opponent at bay with projectiles, you know, fireballs and stuff like that. Everyone hates fighting a zoner because you first have to deal with their projectiles before you get in close and then you can finally engage them as, you know, a normal fighting game character. I kind of see uh, apologetics as a means to fight zoners, you know? Mm -hmm, um, yeah. Sometimes I want to talk to people about the gospel and I want to reach them in their hearts. But, you know, they first have all these questions that they need answered, uh, logical questions about timelines or, you know, fa fallacies or whatever. And that's where apologetics comes in. Apologetics allows me to weave through those obstacles and to finally get them to a point where I can finally start talking about the gospel and where I can truly share the love that Christ has for them. Um, so, so that's why I love apologetics. It's just a tool that helps me to get to places that I normally would not be able to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of really good thoughts there. It's, it's funny how much uh, I feel like my story rep is um, – similar to yours where you're talking about a year ago, you kind of get this exposure to apologetics for me. It was about two years ago. It's been about two years since I like dedicated my life to the Lord. And before that time, I knew me what apologetics was. I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I remember an atheist, I had a friend who was like, I'm an atheist. And I just had no idea what that meant to be an atheist. Like I just like um, some churches just aren't, they don't dive into these things and, and teach you about what these things are. Um, so I can relate to you on that level. And something really important you bring up is that apologetics isn't the end all be all it's not yeah. um it, it, it it's a tool for the gospel it, it can't it's, it doesn't replace the gospel like you said um uh, apologists love to talk about like matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37 where it's like god where jesus says love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind because it's like yeah. a lot of times churches do leave out that mind part but i think exactly yeah 
and sometimes in the apologetics community that we can get too focused in on the mind where we forget that we're supposed to Definitely. love God with all of our heart and with our soul. And also let's, let's not forget that, uh, this was, this was a really tough pill for me to swallow, but let's not forget that some people also just don't want to be saved, you know? So mm -hmm. if you just try to use, use apologetics on them as much you can, you can do that as much as you want but you know their hearts will remain closed so what good what good uh, is apologetics to someone mm -hmm. who doesn't really want to experience that kind of love um because i think that some people actually have a really good understanding of what the gospel is and who jesus is and and what he's offering them but just some people that just you know don't want that and it's uh that's a tough pill to swallow especially if you truly want to see everyone safe but yeah i think it's a it's a really, it can be a challenging thing. Like I remember, I don't know if you read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. I remember reading it about yeah. a year ago. And I, I, I love, I love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Lewis too. Yeah. Uh, my mind was just like blown. Uh, I was kind of like, wow. Like, it, it, I mean, I don't know if that doc is doctrine now. The only people in hell are like the gates are locked from the inside. But it makes mm -hmm. so much sense when you think about it. Like there, the, like, there are people who um, just don't want to believe. Like, I can I can see it so much through my interactions online now. Like it makes the idea of like there being people who aren't Christian makes so much more sense. Where it's like, would, if Christianity is true, would you be a Christian? There's certain people that are like, no, or I won't worship uh, this yeah, moral monster. Yeah, that is along those lines. such a good question. If Christianity was true, would you become a Christian? You can mm -hmm. tell so much about a person by asking them that question. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I remember. Um, so I go to Liberty University, which is an evangelical university, and even though my major is in school divinity related, though I may do that in grad school, I don't really. No, yeah, um, <laughs> I got time. Um, but I remember uh, we have one of our like gen ed courses. You have to take like maybe like ten credit hours in like Christian courses. And one of the qu questions that um, our professor talked about, you should ask this question: Is Christianity is true? Would you become a Christian? And they said if the answer is no, um, if the person that responds the answer is no, they're like you should just don't bother trying to share the gospel with them. It's not going to make a difference. It's about building a relationship at that point and giving them the care. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. a really it's a really interesting thing. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Um. So we we were talking like beforehand. You talked about um the importance of kind of in your life putting all your trust in God. Um. You talked about how it's yes. made this like big impact in your life where you're just like God, yeah. I'm all in. I trust you. Uh, t just tell us a little bit about what what kind of led you to doing this and how it's kind of like impacted your life. This idea of just trusting God. Um. How do, how do I say this? Okay, so one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons I was a lukewarm Christian for such a long time, uh, at first I was like, why do I even want these things? Because uh, I knew I was doing something that I, I knew I was doing a lot of stuff that I wasn't supposed to do as a Christian, but I just didn't know why I wanted those things. And it took me a really long time to kind of figure out that pretty much everything that I did could be summarized as I'm not trusting the Lord enough. If I, every time I stole something, it was pretty much because I didn't trust the Lord enough to take care of me. You know, I didn't trust him to provide for me. Every time I lusted after a woman, every time I, I, I took a woman to bed, I had a one-night stand. It pretty much was because I didn't trust the Lord to give me the experiences that I needed or to find me a soulmate that would fulfill me, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much every big sin that I, I was stuck in was pretty much just a result of me kind of saying that I knew that God would take care of me, but I guess, I guess I just didn't feel it in my heart for some reason. So the moment I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to trust you completely, whether that might cost me my job, whether that might cost me my friendships or other relationships, 
uh, I'm just going to go all in and I'm going to trust you as much as I can. And uh, of, of course, the beautiful thing is that actually worked out beautifully. You know, every time I thought I was going to get into financial trouble, something came on my path that, you know, would would totally help me out. Uh, mm. I would I would start meeting people that were either Christians or were doubting about the Christianity. And because, you know, they met me and we 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 had fantastic friendships. We, we strengthened each other in our faith. And, you know, um, like the Bible said, you know, God takes care of the little birds. So how much more will he take care of us? You know, mm -hmm. and the moment, the moment I really put that in my heart, the moment I started to trust him more and more, that's when I realized that, oh man, so many of my sins and so many of my, my kind of self-destructive desires are just the result of not trusting him enough. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes when I still kind of feel the desire to do something that isn't good for me, one of the best things that I can do is just ask myself, are you trusting God, you know, or, or would this be different if you would truly put all your trust in God? And uh, most of the time, just asking that question is enough to kind of put me back on the straight and narrow. Uh, so yeah, trusting God is not just something that is a beautiful thing to do. It's also something that in my case really helps me from, uh, you know, sliding back. So it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's a beautiful thing on many levels. Yeah, 100%, man. I, th I think one of the most common things that we see, um, a lot of Christians are like, trust God, trust God, God has a plan. And all these things are true, but a lot of times we don't get into the specifics of like, what does that mean? Um, I think you did yeah. a good job of talking about how like, uh, with like kind of like lust and one night stands and things like that. It's like, it's not just about trusting God that um, in a general sense, just trusting God that he's a better plan for um, yes. sex and things like yes. that. Like, when we realize the specifics of these things, I think it yeah. helps us so much more when we realize what it means to trust God. Yeah, exactly. There's this thing, uh, it, it's become a big thing on social media the last few years, but there's this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. You've probably heard of it. I'm not, I'm not the most well-informed on social oh. media. Uh, it's okay. Well, there's it's this thing. It sounds familiar, but yeah. I can't exactly. FOMO, fear of missing out. So, so let's say that your friends are going to a party and one of your friends can't come. He's like, oh, too bad I can't come to the party. I have a massive case of FOMO. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm having this feeling of, oh, I'm not experiencing the fun that you guys are experiencing. I had that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of other Christians have that as well. They think that if they give themselves over to Christ completely, you know, they, they, they know in here that, you know, they'll be in, in, you know, they'll be somewhere good, but I don't think they truly trust it in here. I think they'll still be like, oh, but will I miss out on a really good time? Will I miss out on really good music? Will I miss out on, you know, really memorable sex or stuff like that? Um, and we live in a world where you're constantly bombarded with like, you should be doing this and uh, you should be owning this. And these are experiences that you should want. Um, and it's really hard to say no to all, all that kind of stuff. But it becomes way easier the moment you start trusting in God. And you, mm. you start trusting the fact that he has a plan for you. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's it, man. You know, God has a plan for you. If you believe God, do you have to believe that he has that plan for you. And if you do, it becomes easier to trust that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the FOMO thing, now that you explained it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I totally got it. I just didn't yeah. – I'm not good with abbreviations. But it, it is – it's something so real, and I think it's something, especially for a lot of, like, um, Christians my age or your age, that it's it's just so real. Like, I, I can't imagine what it's like in the Am in being in Amsterdam, but mm. I live where, I, where I'm from, um, where I'm at right now, uh, 
with COVID and college and all that stuff and back at home for a little bit. And it's kind of the same thing because I live, my, my hometown is the home of one of the biggest party schools in the nation, um, Penn State University. And, oh, okay. you know, it's like, so I'm like, I'm heading to my junior year of college and I'm like, I don't party, I don't drink, I don't do any of this stuff. And it's like, and there's a little bit of that FOMO where I'm, at times where I'm like, wait, I'm not, I'm not doing what most people do. I'm not doing what most of my friends yeah. are doing right now. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you go back to trusting God and knowing that his plans are better than um, what we see in the world. Yeah. I, I remember getting to university and having that exact thought like, oh, people are having a fun time. I don't want to miss out on that. I don't think it's going to hurt me if I go to just a few parties or, you know, maybe meet with a few of my co co-students at a certain place, whatever. And then one year later, you know, I was doing co cocaine and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, don't give in to that kind of feeling. Don't get, because that's, that's just the devil trying to pull on you, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, uh, I was sucked in a hole for like more than a decade because of that. So, mm -hmm. Trust that he has a plan for you. Trust and trust that whatever he's going to give you is going to be so much better than whatever you can get by following, you know, like a debauchery lifestyle. So, um, because th th that's really the case, man. Because you know, all the other stuff, it just really do it, it doesn't satisfy. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, oh, but and by the way, one of the things that probably really screw screwed me up the most was Tinder. The moment I got Tinder, especially in, 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 in a city like Amsterdam, where there are so many people in such a small space and everyone wants attention and everyone everyone wants intimacy and everyone's looking for it. And, you know, you, you, you just put your Tinder radius on like a few miles and, you know, you, you, you'd get a match every every other day. Uh, you know, you'd have a date every other day. And that, that will lead you into like this whole of, of superficial kind of relationships and intimacy and, and, uh, and then if one day you're not checking your phone, you know, you have that fear of missing out that FOMO feeling on, on a much deeper level all of a sudden. Uh, so I also think it's very important for Christians that struggle with that kind of stuff to, to kind of monitor their, 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 their social media usage and, and, and apps like, like Tinder. Cause it, I mean, everyone has kind of their poison, but that was, that was one of the worst things for me, man. Tinder really, really got me into like, Satan, Satan's hoofs for a while, man. That was insane. Yeah, I mean, social media is a whole nother topic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can just resonate so much with what you're saying. Um, one of the things I thought of in the beginning, when we were talking about like kind of like um, what get interested in apologetics and kind of like loving God with everything we have is in Revelation three, where um the author probably john is writing he starts off with writing to seven different churches and he writes to the church of um laodicea i think it's mm -hmm. the last letter he writes he talks about um he's like i know your works they're neither cold nor hot um as a church you're not cold or hot you're lukewarm um, spit so you out. Speak, exactly yeah. it's like because you're talking about like when you have that one foot in one foot out it's just like that's that's i mean in the bible it says that's worse than just not being a christian like um you kind of almost as a Christian have to be all in. Or and that was and that was really hard for me to accept because I had fights over this with my mom, you know, because mm. she was she was slowly trying to kind of tell me that, hey, Sam, you might be one of those Christians that the Bible talks about, one of those lukewarm Christians, and I don't want Jesus to you know, spit you out. But then I would go go back at my mom, kind of with like a reverse reversed apologetic, like a demonic apologetic. I would hit her back with like, "Hey, but like, are we saved by grace or by by our deeds?" Okay, mm -hmm. you can't tell me that I'm lukewarm uh, because that would mean that I would have to please the Lord with by doing good deeds. So no, I don't believe in that. I think I'm saved 
because, you know, I accepted Jesus in my heart, blah, blah, blah. I can do whatever I want. Uh, and even though in a sense I was right, I don't believe you can lose your salvation if you've truly, truly accepted mm -hmm. Christ in your heart and the Holy Spirit has entered you. I, I don't think believe you can, you can lose your salvation. But I do think that one's lifestyle is a reflection of whether or not you've truly, uh, truly accepted Christ in your heart. Mm -hmm. So, um, and either way, you know, it, it's not, it's not merely about salvation. It's also about building that relationship with God with being so in love with Jesus Christ and, and, and his character that you just, that you just want to focus on him each and every day and that you want to do as well, just because you love him so much, you know, and if you don't have that love for him, yeah, I, I think it's hard to, to be able to call yourself a Christian. And I think that's what it means when the Bible talks about, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're neither hot or, or nor, nor cold. I'm going to spit you out. It's, um, you know, you, you might be going to church and you might have accepted Jesus in your heart, but I, I don't see that love for, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you don't have the love for, for, for Jesus, then what even are you doing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that was the thing. I, I I only had love for for my flesh for like mm -hmm. more than ten years. I only had love for for weird experiences and getting drunk and sexual encounters and and overeating and you know everything you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's not love. That's that's distract. That's trying to distract yourself from the bigger truth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Augustine writes about this idea that there's a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts and yeah. try to fill that hole. One thing I was talking, thinking about is like, so the idea, the Christian view of salvation, um, we're saved by grace through, uh, we're saved by grace um, yeah. through faith. Um, and it's very true. And I, th I think a lot of times that Christians will kind of miss certain parts of like what that means. So like in Romans 10, 9, it talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your heart that God raised him from the dead. And a lot of people will say, hey, I believe it. And believe my heart the God raised for the dead, but we missed that first part of saying Jesus is Lord and like living that yeah. out. I'm not, I'm not saying we're saved by our works and like our demonstration. Not at all. No. But I mean, when, when you when you realize that Jesus is Lord and it gives you that love for God. I mean, John Piper, exactly. you know, God is most we're most oh, what is it? He's like God. We're, God's most satisfied in us when we're most God, God's most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. I think that's what He says. The beautiful, um, they're big, yeah. They're big things yeah. from desiring God, and I think it's so true. Um, Talking about the idea that like our ultimate joy, our ultimate satisfaction comes from God. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Yeah, man. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about like um, using apologetics into evangelism, common barriers you kind of see um, in sharing the gospel. And I, I'm really curious kind of like what, what's it like in Western Europe and specifically in Amsterdam? Because that's kind of that's where you are. That's where you know. Yeah. Um, so just before we dive into that, just just to start off. um What's the gospel, um, just in a basic sense? What I think the gospel is, or what the gospel is for me. What What do you mean exactly? Uh, like, like if someone was like, if if a non Christian was coming up to you and just saying, Sam, what, what's the what's this uh, gospel okay. you're trying to preach? What is it? I would tell them that it's the best message you'll ever hear. It's the ultimate expression of love. I believe that God is love. Even the Bible says that God is love, and one of the reasons I became a Christian is because I was like, if there is a God and if he wants me to believe in him, I want that God to show me something or to expect something from me that only, only a real God would do or expect. Mm -hmm. And every other religion that I've seen 
was based on works. It was based, it was based on us, basically. It was based on us. You have to do certain things or you need to not do certain things. And then if you reach a certain level, you might be granted your know, access to God or to heaven, whatever. Christianity, the gospel, that, that it was the only message that said, uh-uh, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus Christ. And God loves you so much, so much that, you know, compared to God, we're nothing. Compared to God, we're ants. You know, he's like this all-powerful being and we're ants. And he loves us so much that he allowed himself to become an ant and to get beat up and killed by us. I, I, I still can't comprehend that with, with this limited brain that I have. Because I love, I, I, I've loved people and I still love people. And there are a lot of people that I love with my entire heart. There are people that I would literally catch a bullet for, mm -hmm. like I, I, without a doubt. You know, if we would ever get in that situation. And in fact, I hope that I do because I just, I just love them so much. I would catch a bullet for them. But mm -hmm. I cannot comprehend that I would do the same for, I don't know, one of my little Nintendo figures that I have, you know. Mm -hmm. But that is essentially the kind of the gap that there is between us and God, you know, like we're just little, almost like action figures, but he, he loves us so much that he allowed himself to become one of those little action figures and just get totally crushed by the other ones. I just can't understand. That's the only expression that, that that's the only truly godly expression of love I could find in any kind of ideology or religion or whatever. And that's the gospel, an act of love so immensely huge that it's almost impossible to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And the only way I know it's real is because I can't comprehend it here, but I could feel it here, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the gospel. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the only thing that makes me go like, yeah, yeah. The, only, a, only the king of kings and the god of gods could do something like that. Yeah, I, was, I do food delivery a little bit in the summer because uh, I do a variety of jobs in the summer when I'm not off from university. Good. And I listen, I listen to the podcast. And I was listening to Jordan Peterson's yeah. biblical series a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Kid and Abel, and he, he got to the idea of this Christian idea of salvation. And he's like, there's just something so powerful about um, mm. the idea of God taking the flesh and um, dying for our sins and unifying himself. Yeah. us with him. He's like, there's just something so powerful about this that can't be matched by anything else. Um, so yeah, there's something so powerful about the gospel that powerful and beautiful because it, it also allows for for intimacy, for a direct kind of intimacy with God that mm -hmm. isn't present in any other religion as well. We we we, are, we now have the possibility to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, like a really really intimate one, and. That is just, you know, that is just mind blowing, and it's and it's so immensely beautiful. It's more 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 beautiful than anything else I, I can imagine, and I, I just don't see that anywhere else, and mm -hmm. I don't feel that in in, in any other way. Um, and it and that that cannot be overstated enough. Unfortunately, a, a lot of people, you, you can't really talk about this to a lot of people before you first weave around all the, you know, logical questions they have, and to kind of go back to the question you had before this, like what kind of obstacles do I face uh, when it comes to like evangelism and apologetics here, here in Amsterdam? Um, probably the biggest obstacle that I face is the kind of the question of evil. You know, if there is a God, why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Uh, and even though I know the answer to that and I try to explain it to them the best that I can, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you probably heard it all before the, the free will, the, you know, and how, how, through because of the existence of evil, he he can show his grace 
like no other, you know, stuff like that. I, I understand that. But even if I explain it to people, you, you st people just don't want to listen to it. You can still see them go like, as I explained it, you can see them go like, yeah, sure, whatever. But I just, because, you know, they, they'll, they'll still come back to, but still, if he's all powerful, he could probably find a way where he could show that without the necessity of evil. And I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, but the beauty of God is also that he's consistent and that he follows the rules that he made himself. And for me, the, the problem of evil is not a problem at all. I completely understand how it works and why it's there and how, you know, God's grace and love shines through that. But it really is the biggest problem that I face when it comes to, you know, trying to talk to other people about God and Jesus and, and you know, what he did. It's just something that for some reason they just can't, a lot of people just don't seem to want to, you know, get over mm -hmm. but yeah yeah um i was listening to the uh unbelievable conversation between uh sean mcdowell and the uh, the, the the worship leader who just deconverted from christianity mm -hmm. um, I, I don't remember his name um when i when i was driving today and uh they, they talked a little bit at the end about the problem of evil and sean brings up the point that a lot of times the problem of evil is kind of like an emotional problem um i think i think a mistake that a lot yeah. of apologists make is um saying that emotional objections aren't as important as intellectual objections i think that when we're evangelizing it's that's a very poor definitely um, definitely idea and he's listening and he's just talking about how like when people are questioning the problem of evil oftentimes they're not looking for some sort of like uh free will defense or something along those lines that kind of explains it from an intellectual perspective they're trying to understand their hurts why did this person pass away i was talking with um yeah Someone I've today. had someone that I loved and that person is dead. How can there be a God? You know, why if I have to deal with this kind of loss? Yeah, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was someone who I was talking to today and um her father passed away about uh a little bit ago. And I, I wasn't sure if she was safe, so I was just thinking about it, like because I was talking about faith and I was like, I wasn't sure if she was safe. So I was thinking about how how can I explain this and be like, I'm a Christian, I believe there's this all powerful all loving God, but at the same time, uh, your father passed away and I mean, she was saved, uh, praise God. So we didn't get into Amen. that, but it's just, it's the problem of evil is such a, is such a big deal because a lot of times with arguments, it's primarily intellectual, but um, with the problem of evil, there's an emotional side and there's an intellectual side that we see yeah. to the problem of evil, which makes it such a difficult challenge. Yeah. It's, mm. it's, it's one of the hardest challenges. And uh, I also think it's definitely one of Satan's greatest tools. You know, that's also why he loves to just, you know, cause misery because it only reinforces that, that idea within people that they can't possibly be a God because of all the suffering. Um, so yeah, that's a tough one. But I think, you know, again, showing the truth of the gospel is the best way to combat that because the only way you can combat hate and suffering is by, is by showing love, you know, it's by, by expressing true love. And uh, I do think that if people truly want to find the truth and if they are truly want to seek the truth of this world that they will be open for that kind of love. Mm. And, um, you know, that's something we just have to trust God. And also, also a big thing that I've only recently started coming to terms with is the, the, the notion that if I'm talking to someone who isn't saved, uh, obviously I need to do the, the best job that I can to tell them about Christ and about his love, but it's not my job to convert mm. him. It's the, that's the, yeah. it's the Holy spirit's job, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm the one that should be showing that person the door, but I don't have to push him in. Uh, so, you know, knowing that also kind of makes it a little bit easier for us and also kind of lightens the load a little bit. We don't have to feel bad for, you know, uh, 
when someone doesn't accept Christ or isn't, you know, touching an emotional and spiritual level, we don't have to feel bad. And we, we, we just, we just did our, our thing. And I've also heard many stories about people that were preached to in, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago and how that little seed was still stuck inside of them for years. And, you know, like maybe a decade later, it just came out and, uh, you know, and it grew into something beautiful. So, um, that's also something that we should, as Christians, should kind of remember that even if we don't see results immediately or we don't have like this emotional connection with someone immediately, we just need to trust God that he uses us, you know, the way he wants to and that he'll, he'll work through us. Yeah. Amen. Uh, something <laughs> funny before, I, I have a lot of thoughts about what you said. I, I just realized I spelled the title wrong on the video. It said oh. Turing, your apologetics in advantage. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot an N. It's actually Turing. Um, but, but <laughs> or maybe you wanted to talk about the Shroud of Turin and you added a G. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of a weird, like, kind of like, um, yeah. But back, back to the, what we were actually talking about. Um, sorry, I used to get a little side tip just there for a second. And, <laughs> no worries. Uh, I think it's, there, there's someone in my, um, there's someone close to me that I really care about who's not saved, not a Christian. And if we ask them that question, if Christianity is true, would you become a Christian? They would say either no or probably not, something along those lines. And mm. it, it's helped me so much really seeing that it's not my job to convert him. It's my job. It's just my job to be there. It's my job to talk to him, to invest in him, to show him I care about him, to show him I care about. I want to show him that I care about him. And I want to show him that I care about the gospel Amen. Um, and Christianity. And hopefully... Yeah. One day, God will, the Holy Spirit will my be transformed. But yeah, it's are you, you're breaking up a little so bit, by the way. Forcing, oh, uh, wait, are you there? It just, got, yeah, I'm there. It just got stormy. Oh, um, okay. Oh, yeah, you're back now. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. It just got a little stormy um, where I'm at, so hopefully the weather can just cooperate for about 15 minutes and we Let's can just so. <laughs> continue this conversation. Um, <laughs> By the way, God, I, I do want to kind of add a little bit to that, to what you just said. Yeah. Um, one of the things actually, uh, I, I didn't mention it before, but actually one of the things that kind of got me back into just going back into God's grace fully and not, you know, not just half, was also kind of this notion that I, I started realizing that there were so many people that I loved and that I partied with on a regular basis that didn't know Christ at all. And I, I started, you know, I started loving them so much that I wanted them to get saved. But then I started realizing, but wait a minute, who's going to tell them about the gospel? It's probably me because I'm the closest to them. But why the heck should they accept what I have to say about Christ knowing, uh, you know, for them knowing the way I live? And one of the reasons I really started to turn around the way I lived is because I was like, I can't be a beacon for God if I'm living this way. Um, and especially when I think think about some of the ex-girlfriends that I've had, I've treated them so bad. And they've, they've seen me do so many, like, disgusting things that I'm like, and they knew that was, they knew, they knew I was a Christian. So, you know, I, I just, I, I'm, I, I get so sad and just... You know, it makes me want to drop on my knees and ask God for forgiveness. But it just makes me so sad that maybe you know, in the future, someone might might walk up to them and start talking about the gospel, and they and they might associate that with how I used to be, you know. And I just mm -hmm. don't want that anymore. So I, I think one of the reasons also why we should, um, it, I think one of the best ways to reach people uh, and to kind of to op make them open up to the gospel is not even through apologetics, but just by trying to live the best possible life that God wants us to live. Because if we do that, 
we set we set ourselves apart and we 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 shine this 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 love into the world that people don't see anywhere else and if we do that people will eventually come to us we don't even have to go to them to tell them about Christ people will come to us and they will ask us like by the way, man, why are you doing this for me? Why are you so nice? Why, why do I feel so safe with you? What is your secret? And, um, you know, if, if, if people get to that point, then, it, you know, sharing the gospel will be the easiest thing in the world. But I, 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 I sure couldn't do that, you know, a few years ago. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I was, I was treating people in a very superficial way. So um, every time people heard that I was a Christian, they would associate that superficial kind of fun with Christianity and, and, and they wouldn't associate it with the true love of, of Christ. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the best way to kind of talk to people to Christ and to, to evangelize is with this, this undefeatable combination of, 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 of showing God's love and, and just allowing the Holy spirit to work through you and to live this beautiful Christian life and to then use apologetics to chip away at any logical arguments that they might have and then just, you know, be, be there for them, you know, as much mm -hmm. as you can. Um, I think that's, I think that that's truly the secret. Yeah. There's some people who say the greatest apologetic tool we have is our own lives and uh, the way yes. we walk them out. And I think it's, it's, it's so true. I'm, I mean, a lot, a lot of my, uh, followers on Instagram on my personal account aren't Christians or just like, cause I grew up in a very secular town, kind of like mm. uh, you in Amsterdam, probably not to that level. And it's like, there's, there's people that I know and that I'm friends with that I'm probably one of the only, the very few Christians that they know. So how I live, how I myself is, mm -hmm. is so important um, because you just, you never know. Yeah. Um, all right, we're kind of maybe like we're trying to wind things down here, Sam. Uh, any other common barriers you see in the gospel in Amsterdam? Um, I think another big barrier that I see here is politics. Like I said, Amsterdam is a very, very, mm. very liberal, mm. progressive place. So often when I talk to people about Christianity and about Christ and the love of Christ, they will immediately associate that with things that they see as conservative, especially with things they don't like about, you know, conservative people. So uh, mm -hmm. sometimes I will, I, I will want to talk to someone about, about Christianity and they will immediately go to, but doesn't God hate homosexuals? You know, stuff like that. Um, so there's also, uh, which by the way, if for anyone watching, he doesn't, he loves them as much as he loves me and, and anyone else. Um, but you know it, it's it, it's hard to uh, sometimes to to be able to have a proper conversation with people about Christianity and the faith and God's love uh, when there's this political divide as well. And by the way, this political divide is is everywhere these days. I mean, the world hasn't been this politically divided since I don't know when. But you know, mm. you, you've got liberals on one side, conservatives on the uh, on the other side, constantly fighting. Uh, phys physically as well, we've seen that. We've seen that a lot. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons I tried to cut down on my social media usage these days because the only thing I'm seeing on Twitter are just you know videos of people just beating each other up because of mm. you know where people stand and stuff like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And it's just it's it's so disheartening. But yeah, you know, being in 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 a very political, politically liberal city as Amsterdam, it just just makes it a little bit tougher sometimes to preach the gospel. Um, 
but again, I don't think, you know, again, there's nothing that Christ can't overcome. Uh, it, it, it's just something that, you know, you need to be focused on here. Yeah, um, it pains my heart when I see, I mean, obviously I'm not informed really at all about the political climate in, uh, in, Netherlands, in Amsterdam, but it pains mm -hmm. my heart um, when I see Americans um, who say they're following Christ, but then all their politics, all their posts on social media is just about politics. Oh, yes. I, I think politics is important, but it's not. <laughs> It's not as important as the gospel. I remember um, I was just talking with someone, and I was like, "So, so, what do you? What's your faith? Do you have faith?" And like, "Yeah, I'm a Christian conservative." Like, like, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not against like conservatism. I, I personally just don't take like a stance politically. I'm just like, I just want whatever's best Good. for the gospel. Good. Um, that's kind of my political position is whatever yeah. Jesus would want, and I don't think there's a party that can perfectly represent it. Well said. But, like, well said. But. I know no matter, and I do know no matter what I say politically, I'll probably get flapped for it. Um, it's impossible to make everyone happy. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that's okay. You know, the only one we should be making happier is, is, is Christ, you know? Amen. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's just, we should be known as Christians, not as a certain political belief. It's exactly one of, one of the favorite things that Ravi Zacharias ever said was, was this, this, this big speech he had about identity. Mm. Um, and again, as you said, some people say like, Oh, uh, by the way, my name is X and I'm, conservative or I'm a liberal, they immediately, um, so when people introduce themselves, they often immediately tend to tell, tell you what their identity is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that as Christians, we should be having any other identity uh, besides Christian. You know, that's our identity. Our identity is within Christ. Um, and, um, it, you know, when you're in Christ, it really doesn't matter. You, you, you know, you don't have to be, you, you don't have to have any other identity almost, you know, because you have the best identity there is. And as a Christian, you have the best, you know, set of values and you have, you know, you, you, you have the best love that there is. So why, why should you have to express yourself with any other kind of label, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that, I mean, Jesus, his only, really his only political statement is obey the governing authorities. That's all you can see in the New Testament. And it's just, Obey the authorities, and that's it. It's yep. not; they don't make sense. Caesar what belongs to Caesar. <laughs> exactly, that's about it. And then Romans thirteen, where it's like let everyone respect the governing authorities, and then you know, and just love that, your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something. All right, a little bit aside, we'll probably start to wrap these up here. But the idea of like a just war with Romans thirteen, I'd love to talk to someone with about who's an expert on those things. It's, it's an interesting idea. Like you know, like is the is the American Revolution a was it? Just mm, interesting. In if you ever find an expert like that, let me know. I want to watch that stream. Go into that. I have a list of like all these things I need to find people that I want to talk about, and that's that's going to be one of them. Awesome. Um, Sam, this has been really good. Uh, we'll start we'll start to wrap things up here. Any like kind of like closing thoughts? Anything you want to say before we start to, before we end this conversation? Um. No, not really. I'm just. I'm just really honored that you uh, wanted to have me on here and uh, I had a fantastic time and the time flew by for me really. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, so the only thing I want to say is thank you. Um, you know, I'm going to keep following you on Twitter and stuff. I think what you're doing on TikTok is fantastic as well. Please keep <laughs> doing that. Please keep oh, doing wow. that. Cause it's just, it's so much fun. Um, you know, it, it really makes my day to see your videos. So please keep doing that. And for everyone else who's watching, um, uh, I, I'm. You can find me on social media uh, under the tag Spain Killer. That's my my social media name. It's a long story behind it. It has to do with 
uh, a rock song that I used to perform with an old band called Painkiller, and then people put an S in front of it, so you got Spainkiller. But that's kind of become my handle. If you if you're watching this and you have questions about Christianity and you want to talk to me about it, you want you know you you want to ask someone questions, you're always free to hit me up. Um, wherever you can find me. I'm mostly active on, on Twitter, but you can also find me on Instagram. But yeah, that's pretty much the last thing I want to say. Cause again, uh, I, I love being here on planet earth and God has blessed me abundantly and he keeps blessing me abundantly. Um, so there's nothing that I really need anymore, but the only thing I want to do right now is just to, you know, talk about the kingdom of, of God here on earth. So if there's anyone that I can help with that, you know, feel free to hit me up, man. I'm, I, I'm happy to spend time with you. Yeah, uh, amen, man. I, I'm glad you enjoy the TikToks. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they can be fun to make. I don't really, I, I did not want to make a TikTok for so long. I just don't like the app, but I just figured it's. Uh, Dude, you, you're killing it, really. You're doing it. You're doing such a good job on it. Please keep going. I, I, I'm going to. I'm trying to do two per day. And I mean, sometimes they're really easy to make. Um, yeah. I, I post I post the ones that I think are good on Twitter, but I do post more on um a lot of easier stuff too just on oh, the TikTok. Thank you for telling me that because I've only been uh watching them on Twitter. But if you've got more on the actual TikTok channel, you're missing then I'm out, man. You're yeah, I'm missing out. <laughs> I'm like you follow me from four hundred, so you better go and oh, follow right now. Oh, know, right? Okay, well let me make a TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. Um this is a lot of fun. I think well, I'll pull up one question here um and then we'll kind of wrap Exactly. I think it's a good question because it's a good clarifying point when you're talking about politics. Um, it's uh -huh. from Ellie. I saw Elohim. How's it going, Ellie? Uh, she says, I mean, Christianity before anything else, but I do see the value in labels such as artist and YouTuber and stuff. Um, still describing the giftings God gave oh, me. Of course. Of course. Uh, um, definitely. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm mostly talking uh, when I was talking about like identity and stuff and like how Christian, Christian is the only identity you really need. I was mostly talking about um, when it comes to like political issues. You know, uh, but yeah, def I I give other labels to people as well, especially when it comes to stuff like artists. Um, it's good to it's good to express the the fruits that God has given you, and uh, you know it, it's good to express yourself and to to let people know what kind of person you are. So definitely, man, you 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 can you can express yourself the way you want. Um, as I I think that as Christians, it's just important that we always start from. Um, you know, that place of love and that place of, 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 of kind of Christ-filled righteousness. So, you know, uh, if, if we put that uh, on number one, I think you can, you know, fill the rest with whatever you want. Yeah, thank you for, yeah, thank you for your question, Ali. It's a really good clarifying question. Um, so hopefully people who, if they like, were grabbing the pitchforks to burn us at the stake for heretics, hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully they stick to the end where we kind of clarify, because I agree with everything Sam just said. Um, Sam, it's been a great conversation, man. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Had man. a lot of fun. Definitely. Have yeah, a good one. Awesome, guys. Uh, shout out to Warrior Woman, Ellie, Nate Duty, to everyone else who joined us today. Um, this is It Here in Apologetics. If you're new here, I encourage you to subscribe, hit the like button. You can follow us on Twitter at Here in Apologetics, or at A Apologetics, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. You can join the following at Here in Apologetics, which Sam is going to be joining as well. Definitely. <laughs> um, and then if you enjoy, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Here in Apologetics. We're about 60% funded now, so dollar to a month. Anything helps. Appreciate the support. Awesome. Sam, it's been awesome, man. Thank you, man. God bless. Yeah, God bless everyone. Have a good one.